Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, uh, what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Are you even listening to me right now? Hey guys, it's Charles from the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. And Austin. We are proud to announce our first title sponsor, Williams Archery Pro Shop and Indoor Range. Our podcast, as you all may know, is focused on local hunting and heritage right here in Western PA. And where better to start for a sponsorship than your local bow shop? They've been in business for 29 years and they strung the first bow I ever shot. It's a family-owned bow dealership who offers Hoyt, PSE, Bear, Parker, and more. They also have all accessories and arrows you may need. They specialize in bow tuning and hands-on shooting lessons, and it's truly a family environment. Head down to Edinburgh, PA to see Ron and Linda Williams, where practice makes perfect. Give them a call at 724-667-9660 and make sure you tell them that you heard about Williams on the Whitetail Distraction Podcast and they will take care of you. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin and joining me in the studio today and always, Charles Hedlund. How are we doing, bud? What's going on, man? Not too much, man. We're doing good. Got some scouting done again this week. Yep, got some scouting done. I got a stand hung. I got a camera pulled which was terrible, got a camera hung, all sorts of good stuff. Yep, I also hung some stands and got some cameras pulled, got a lot of dough on camera right now, no bucks yet, but I haven't pulled any of mine, just McCoy's. Well, somebody was messing with mine, so that's always fun. Oh yeah, that's right, you told me that. Someone, well, someone moved it and actually, what, turned it completely? Mm -hmm. And I usually hang them, I use a mounting bracket, so I mount them up in the tree so people don't see them in the first place. Right. But even if they do see them, they can't steal them as easy. Well, I don't know if somebody had a stick or what. They were just, my whole bracket and everything was completely turned. You got to crank it. It's a screw-in thing. And it was completely turned and, like, flipped over and thought, I don't know what somebody was doing to it. It wasn't me. I know that. 
kind of wondering now because you had a branch in front of it too uh, a week before that. You it's had a branch weird down that it's in happened front of it twice. Right. So yeah, that's the the world we live in. Unfortunately, around here, you know, a lot of people mess with your stuff even though you're on private property. Yep. You know, and you know who owns the land. Well, if you go in the woods and you don't have it with you, don't bring it out with you. Don't steal my stands. Don't steal my trail cameras. That's true. They could. No, they probably couldn't have taken it, but it could have been worse. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, who we got today, Austin? We have your dad, Big Russ Headland. How are we doing today, bud? I'm doing great. Excellent. That's right. We got him off the couch. We got him in here in the studio today. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. (laughs) It took some forcing, but uh, I'm I'm really excited. This is gonna be this is gonna be really good. I'm happy to share my decades of wisdom with you, young bucks. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully some really great stories, because if anybody has the best hunting stories and all around stories, it's definitely you. Oh yeah, I've heard a few of them. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I got lots of stories. That comes with old age. (laughs) Well, Dad, you want to go ahead and get into kind of how you got started hunting? I think I mentioned in the first episode that, you know, you've always told me Grandpa wasn't the biggest hunter, but he was a real avid outdoorsman. So what kind of got you into hunting? Yeah, my father, uh, he pretty much worked two jobs every day. So the only time he ever got to be in the woods was when we would go up to my uncle's camp <clears throat> up by Tyanesta for the first two days of rifle season. And uh, they used to joke about he didn't even need bullets in his gun because he was never going to shoot anything. But he would just sit in the woods and he would just love the, to enjoy nature. You know, birds flying around, squirrels, chipmunks, stuff that you take for granted. But when you're in a mill eight hours a day and then you go to a second job eight hours, you know, again, then... You enjoy seeing a squirrel. <clears throat> oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but what we what got me into it was my cousin and his dad. They were killers, you know. And, and we would go over to their house, and, and this is back in man, I'm talking 1970, the first year I went hunting. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, back in those days, which this is something you guys don't understand. We're we're going to go into a little greater detail later, but in those days you didn't kill a buck and if you did and somebody shot a four inch spike you got extra drunk that night you know now you'd see 150 deer a day in rifle season Mm -hmm. but first of all he didn't have a scope i think there were one guy in our camp actually had a scope on his rifle and back then there just weren't a lot of bucks around that you could tell anyway Mm -hmm. and uh but anyway, we would go over to my uncle's house after doe season, and they'd have these does hanging down in the garage, you know. And I was just a little kid, 12, 13, 14, and I'd go look at these deer, and I was just amazed. And then I'm like, you know, Dad, we got to go doe hunting. I'll never forget his response was, we don't hunt does. They squeal when you shoot them. <laughs> I said, okay. Well, as soon as I got 16, when I could hunt, with somebody other than my legal guardian back then, and I talked my cousin into taking me, and uh, I got a doe tag, and um, I don't think I didn't harvest my first deer with a rifle till I was 19 years old, and I uh, we tracked these deer, and my cousin was a phenomenal hunter. I I credit him with uh, with really turning me into the hunter I am today, because mm-hmm. he he lit the fire, and. Uh, we tracked these deer for probably two miles, you know, hour, hour and a half, two hours through the snow up the mountains. And finally there's a deer standing there and it's a doe. And I shot and I harvested it. And uh, 
ever since then, that kind of lit the bug in me. Yeah. Well, I, that's funny you mentioned about the scopes, because I remember you telling me stories about, you know, the guy with the scoped rifle, he would get his deer, and then next thing you know, he would hand that scoped rifle off to the next guy. Yeah, that, that would happen, yeah. 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 Well, it was interesting, because archery hunting, I actually started archery hunting at a much younger age, at the age of, uh, I think I was 14 or 15. Um, a good friend of mine, or a kid I hung out with at the time, his father owned uh, Turner's Archery Shop up on the east side, which is way long gone. But um, I bought a I bought a bow off of them, and he would give me arrows and stuff. And they had a camp up by Titty Ute, and we would go up there and hunt. And again, you'd see a billion deer, but you know, fifteen year old kid with a recurve, forty two pound mm -hmm. bear recurve that lobbed them like softball pitchers. <laughs> uh, we didn't have much success. That's all right. I mean it. It's really the learning experience of being up there and actually getting to see deer. And oh, it was beautiful. And, and back then, people didn't archery hunt. Yeah. There were, you didn't see anybody in the woods. I mean, you had the whole Allegheny National Forest pretty much to yourself. Yeah. And we would go up and, uh, again, we saw a lot of deer, missed a few, you know, but to get close enough. And he was an archer. He was a real archer, the guy's dad. He actually, he would shoot a doe with his bow. I said, well, aren't you worried about your buck tag in rifle season? He's like, yeah, I don't care about rifle season. Yeah. <laughs> so he was he was a hardcore archer way back then. He really got it back then, what we kind of get now. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he, I'll never forget, he sh I saw the first compound bow I ever saw. He had the one day, one year when we were up there. And, and it was like kids watching fireworks at Pearson Park, you know. We were like, ooh, ah, oh, and he's shooting these arrows. And hell, he's probably only going about 200 feet per second. But It looked you know, like a laser, probably. Yeah, compared <laughs> yeah. to our recurves that were lobbing them in there, like yeah. slow pitch. And uh, but, but the Turner family, they, they, they took me under their wing and uh, really instilled the archery thing. And I bow hunted till I was about 19 or 20. And then I just got out of it. It was it was too hard to, uh, you know, they didn't have sights, releases, and all that stuff. At least I didn't. You know, with my recurve, you, you had to practice, practice a lot. Well, I was working then. It was time to go to work, you know. Yep. And I just didn't have the time to devote to it. And I kind of got out of it for a while. And then uh, a good friend of mine, Jerry Baker, he kept telling me, come on, you got to bow hunt with me, you got to bow hunt with me. And I'm, I finally went bow hunting with him and saw some really nice deer. Uh, missed a, back then, a big eight point, which today I probably wouldn't shoot. And then I was hooked. That was probably when I was, I don't know, that was probably about 25 years ago. Yeah. That's yes. really cool, though. So you, it's funny because you transitioned out of archery, and then now you've transitioned back in an archery only and you don't even hunt with a gun you probably haven't hunted with a gun in I mean how many years uh, that year we were up clear creek when uh oh yeah I won't embarrass you and say you cried when you missed the deer <laughs> oh, wait, that, no that was a different time didn't happen didn't um, happen <laughs> you got a picture of it we were up clear never creek. happened never happened <laughs> didn't have phones back then with, with cameras on them uh, no, that wasn't clear creek no, it was. You went hunting, you shot that, well, that doe no, with, the, with the rifle. Well, Russell shot a doe. Yeah. And I had to stay with you guys because you were young. He said, well, you have a doe tag. i got to drag this deer out. I can't shoot anything. Why don't you take my gun? So I did. 
and then shortly after we heard some shooting and then those does come running mm -hmm. up and then just killer instinct took over and I just center punched one you know and it took a big hop and then my son Johnny gut shot it which made the cleaning <laughs> job much easier it just <laughs> <in> there. <laughs> yeah that was at least 15 years ago I would say yeah, that was probably, I would say I was either 13 or 14. When right. I would have been 13 because I don't think Joe was hunting yet. Because it was just me was, and John hunting. Yeah, I think so I, I would have been 13. Um, so yeah, 15 years ago that happened. That was a while ago. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember that mama coming out from the thicket and you you crushed her. She did the high leg kick, started running, and then there was two small deer with her just started running circles around her. and. John shot your deer of all the deer running, and me and him are just unloading our rifles on these two small deer just running circles around its mom, and, and they took off, and we didn't hit anything. That's kind of a cruel story. Maybe we ought to edit that for the anti <laughs> Shooting the mom and the babies running around crying with tissues in their hands. They don't, really, they don't really do that. That's a joke. No, they don't, and it's, you know, it's part of life, and by that point in rifle season, those young ones are more than capable of living on their own. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You I, know, mean, I don't hesitate anymore when I see a doe come in with a couple of fawns, mm -hmm. and it's, I mean, it's archery season. They've been on the ground for however knows how long now. They don't yeah. have spots anymore. I mean, I used to be really hesitant about it. I was like, I don't want to do it, but, you know, now I don't have any problem shooting the I mean, hell, now we uh, we shoot the mother, and then we'll pattern the doe, the little baby does, and we'll go try to get them, too. They're not babies. They're All right, deer. fawns. Yeah, <laughs> not even fawns at that point. They're, they're just smaller ways. deer. Austin yeah. will have PETA outside the front of his house tomorrow <laughs> when he gets up. Bring it. Walking around with their little bloody deer uniforms on. Morons. <laughs> I'll bring out the meat grinder and grind some meat in front of them. It'll be good. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, that was uh, that was the last time I shot it. Well, I did shoot one with a pistol, just because mm. I'd never done that before. I think that was about four or five years ago, right behind the camp. Yeah. I've never done that either. I've always kind of wanted to. Yeah. It's, uh, I won't go into details, but I, I, I don't have a desire to do it again. No? Nah. No. It's yeah. still a gun. It's, I'm a bow hunter. The last, I go up, <clears throat> if I don't have my tags filled when I go up with those guys, I hunt. I just hunt with my bow. Right. I go climb a ladder with my stupid orange vest on and my stupid yeah. orange hat on, and I, uh, I bow hunt. And, I, and I've, I've scored. I've yeah. killed deer in gun season with my bow. So. Oh, very yep. doable. Oh, yeah. Well, especially up there, and you were hunting some thick area. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you had some deer come in, and like you said, you're more lethal sometimes with a bow than that damn pistol. Oh, much more. Yeah. Not even close. I yeah. know now. I mean, I always try and get all my deer out of the way in, in bow season, but I usually keep a doe tag, so when guys go out and they want to do drives and stuff like that, I kind of go out for the camaraderie in rifle season rather than Yeah, I do the same else. thing. I just don't carry a gun. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I'll go, obviously, I'll, even the years I'm tagged out, I still go out to camp and hang out with my kids and friends. And, oh, yeah, certainly. You know, it's deer camp. That's what right. it's all about. Yeah, it's the tradition of Pennsylvania, really. Exactly. Yeah. When, when I was a kid, when I first started hunting, you would go in the woods up around Tynesta area, Kelly Hill Road, that area we hunted a lot, Queens Road, and you would see people everywhere. You don't get that pressure up there anymore. Yeah. Um, there would be, I mean, I, I kid you not, at any given time, I could probably see 10 other hunters from my where I was sitting, you know, on my tree on the ground. Uh, there were just people everywhere. You couldn't get away from them. Yeah. Um, there were no deer here then. There were no deer here in this area, Lawrence County. You know, this general area, there were no deer. 
all the deer are up the mountains. Yeah. Now it's changed. There's mm -hmm. probably more deer here than there is up there. Yeah, definitely. Back then it wasn't that way. You know, if, if you were around here anywhere in this general area uh, where you used to live, um, I grew up in those woods down by the river. And uh, yeah. if you saw a deer track, you ran home and told your mom and dad about it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how crazy it was. Yeah, for sure. Well, that yeah. actually kind of gets into a, a good point. I mean, you raised a family of hunters. I mean, every single one of your boys, I mean, they all hunt. I mean, it, it's kind of a thing now. I mean, you were saying how you go up the mountains and it's not as much pressure. There's not nearly as many hunters. And I think it's really attributes to people don't raise their kids to hunt anymore. I think that's part of it. I also think that a lot more hunting goes on around here. But what, what seemed to happen was back in the... Uh, I'll call it the Depression, even though I'm not that old. But, but like, when the mills closed down around Newcastle, when Rockwell closed down, Johnson Bronze went, you know, all these mills closed. A lot of guys had camps up the mountains. They couldn't afford them. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. they sold them. And, and that played a big role as far as the people going up there. And then the the emergence of the deer population around here, people don't, don't have to go up there. In fact, at times, it can be better hunting around here. Yeah. I think that played a role, but you're right. The, the hunter recruitment numbers—that's um, a proven fact—they're way down. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know what the reason is. I just—I don't know. Um, I don't know why there seems to be less people, and the the adults still love the hunt, but it's just like the kids with video gaming and different things—they just never took interest. You know, a lot of my friends, their parents hunt, but they don't hunt anymore. Well, it's an it's a it's an instant gratification thing. Your whole generation is in instant gratification, whether it's fast food or you know whatever. Right. You want something and you want it now. You know, you play that video game, you got results now. Whereas mm -hmm. you know, and Austin knows from hunting, you don't get that now. Yeah. You go sit in a tree for ten days. I've done it before, never even seen a deer. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, that's part of the deal. That's that's the patience part of hunting. And, and, and I think that, that plays a huge role. It's society in general um, doesn't have patience for anything. You, you look at people even go out of the hunting realm and get into marriages. How many people are married a year or two and they get divorced? Because they just don't have the patience. They don't have the wherewithal to stick with it. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, well, this isn't working. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I think it's only getting worse. I can't even imagine... You know, my, my five-year-old grandson and their generation, what they're going to be like. Yeah. Now, you made a good point because, like you said, you know, um, you know, with us being kids and stuff growing up hunting, but a lot of my friends, like you mentioned, when you started hunting, you didn't kill a deer for three years. Um, but that happened a lot to a lot of my friends. They go out for one or two years. They wouldn't kill anything right. or see anything. Right. And maybe just because they didn't have the guidance or, like you said, they just got fed up with, with going out. Or they just went out one time a year and they right. got fed up with That's it. That's what it is. Yeah, they didn't want to do it anymore. It wasn't fun to them. They didn't enjoy right. that. Well, and they're focusing on the wrong part. Right. You know, we all know, real hunters know, the kill is not why we hunt. Right. Yeah. You know, we hunt, at least I do. I, I mean, that's the ultimate goal, of course, but... You know, I, I can sit there and watch a, an owl come down and snatch a chipmunk out of the leaves and I'll just be amazed. You know, or, or watch a little, pretty little bird I've never seen before with gold around its eyes flitting through the, the limbs right beside me. It's nature. It's about being in nature. Obviously, you want to kill something. That's your goal is to fill your tag. But you also have to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and if that's the only reason you're hunting, 
and I'll be honest with you, you don't belong in the woods anyway. Yeah, I, I remember in Illinois last year, I filmed those two foxes, baby fox pups, running around playing all over the place, and I right. enjoyed that more than anything. But you see some of the coolest things in the woods. Right. If you, you know. spend enough time there, you'll see some crazy shit stuff. You can say shit. Yeah, you're okay. fine. <laughs> I don't know how, where this goes, but um, yeah, you'll, you'll see some really, really cool stuff. Yeah, definitely. So that leads into, and we mentioned a lot in the podcast about like uh, our deer camp and, and kind of buying a camp. All the years I remember growing up rifle hunting, we kind of always bounced around public area to public area camping, and that was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed it, but we made the transition about five years ago and bought a camp. Uh, you want to talk about that kind of and how that maybe brought you back to when you used to hunt at your uncle's camp or... Kind of what led to that. Yeah, it, it basically was your brother's fault. Um, <laughs> I had no desire to buy a deer camp. Mm-hmm. I think I had just retired. Um, I had a camper. You know, that's what we did, if you remember. Mm-hmm. We would either haul, well, when we hauled the pop-up before the tornado destruction, which we'll get into later, mm-hmm. um, or we, then we got into renting cabins. And, and I'll be honest with you, the only reason... We went to Clear Creek to begin with. It was because I had left my uncle's hunting camp for a couple of years to hunt around here because it was better hunting. And then when Johnny came of age, your brother, um, I wanted to go back up to his camp because I wanted his first experience to be up the mountains. Right. And my uncle, in no uncertain terms, let me know my bed was gone. So, but looking back in retrospect, it was the best thing that could have happened because there weren't no deer left up tying us, and Clear Creek was full of deer. Yeah. I mean, full of deer. We'd have our tags filled by 8 o'clock in the morning. You guys might have missed five times by then, you know, but the deer just kept coming wave after wave. So looking back, that was a good thing. Um, the deal with the hunting camp was I just didn't want to get tied down into one. My idea of a hunting camp was kind of like my uncle's camp with no running water, no no toilet, no shower, you know, an outhouse, an old nasty, smelly, mildewy place. And then when Russ took me up and showed me this place, and I just, I fell in love with it. It's it's big, it's nice, um, shower, toilet, running water, all plays a big role, and you can literally walk right out the door and kill a deer, which I've done many times within 200 yards. The, the first year I shot up there, I could hear the stereo. I left the stereo on the porch of the camp. I could hear her playing <laughs> and hear around dusk come the doe and I should took her with my bow, you know, but it's nice. It's, I'm, I'm really happy he talked me into it, you know, monetarily, it isn't the end of the world, um, but it's, it's nice to have a place to call your own. It's nice to have a place to go to where all your stuff's there. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pack everything up and pack everything back like we right. do when we rent in cabins. Afraid you forget something. If I forget something, it's going to be there next time I go back. Right. And um, that that's nice. I love it up there. Yeah, and we know? use it for all kinds of recreational oh, use yeah. now. Yeah. We do a canoe trip down the Allegheny. We use right. it and just go up there just yeah, to hang out. Season, just to yep, hang trout out. season. I mean, it's... It's a nice place. It's a, it's a really nice place. I remember when we first bought it, it was kind of weird because, like you said, we bounced around a lot. And I was only I only knew the cabin or the pop-up camper kind of feel about jumping from place to place. I think that kept it interesting, kept it fun. But as the deer numbers started to run out at those, kind of, those places, right. too, 
um, with that the extra tags. That was another big reason. Right. Um, we started to kind of struggle to look at different places. But I just remember those first couple of years, before we really made it our own camp, it was just kind of odd. You know, I don't know why. It was just like a lot of the other stuff was there, and it was just like this doesn't feel like we didn't have any memories there yet, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. You know, and it quickly turned around. It was really cool. Now it's awesome, but right. I don't know. Why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and talk about the now hunting compared up the camp compared to hunting around here, kind of the differences and um, maybe share some stories like that. No, it's it's a totally different hunting up there. It's big woods. Mm-hmm. You know, around here, I hunt field edges for the most part. Um, up there, it's big woods, and it's, you know, it's, five years we've had five hunting seasons up there and you know uh, to say i have the deer figured out would be a lie i would right. say you ever have deer figured out is a lie you know you watch these guys on tv and all they pattern this buck yeah they do on some private land that nobody else steps foot on for the whole the rest of the year yeah okay you you go pattern a buck in pennsylvania on public land and i'll tell you what you've done something yeah no kidding you put that serious time in especially in the allegheny national forest I'm not going to call them liars, yeah. but they're liars. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's dang near impossible. Yeah. You know, even the farm country around here to pattern a deer. There's just too many variables. Yeah. You know, some guy this deer can be on that path every day, and then some guy takes his German Shepherd down it. You know, and it chases the deer. The deer isn't going back here for a while. Yep. You know, and up the camp, what I've noticed with the big woods white tails, and we talked about this a little bit, is they're smart. They don't take human intrusion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't realize that initially. So I would put up a trail cam, and I'd go back and check it four or five times. Heck, I might bring my grandkids with me. I might bring my beagle with me. And then I'd go hunting there, and I can't figure out why the deer aren't there anymore. No well, you can't do that up there. <laughs> you can do that around here because mm-hmm. the deer are used to people. Right. They're, they don't handle it up there. At least that's my new theory. Yeah. Because um, we're still learning up there, but it's... It's a lot harder, mm-hmm. but there are some trophy deer up there. Anybody thinks there aren't big bucks up the mountains, you're living in 1972 because I'll tell you what, there are some big boys up there. There are a lot of deer up there. Um, that the bear, first buck. The, the bears you see, you know, that's just a cool yeah. thing to, uh, yeah, but it's totally different than hunting farmland. Mm-hmm. That's the main difference. Yeah, that big buck we saw that first year we were up there, I'll never yeah, forget that. Yeah, that guy shot with his gun. It was probably a 170, 175 class buck. Monster. Monster buck. Yeah. Monster. Couldn't, couldn't wrap your hands around the base of the antlers. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a giant. Well, I've seen some really big deer come out of up there. Two miles from our camp. Yeah, it's even bad. going back to saying that there's no big deer up in the mountains, I would say, I'd go even farther and say people generally hate on Pennsylvania and say like oh it's just all little bucks and stuff like that i've seen some really big deer come out of pennsylvania especially these past i don't know five years i would say there was just one i think i saw it on pa whitetails um originally and then i saw it a few different places i think it was on field and stream and outdoor life and stuff somebody found a 200 inch deer on public land dead i mean found the deadhead of it yeah i mean yeah it's uh there's a lot of well the last Three years at Shooter Showcase, which was our archery shop, which they didn't close, but they changed owners. Um, the last three years in their buck pool, the buck, the one that was from Marionville. Yeah. And they were all 150 plus bucks, you know, beautiful deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good buck anyway. That's a good buck anyway. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, especially with EHD hitting out west and killing yeah. a lot of the really nice bucks and hurting their population. Yeah. 
you know, we've sure. only gained ground on them with that happening. Right. You know, and in Pennsylvania now, it's it's not crazy to say that you can harvest a trophy buck. Yeah. If you put the time in, and especially with where we hunt, you know, we see them. They just got to walk by. That's right. And then you got to make the shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the hard part about archery, you know, especially up the mountains. They they can walk anywhere they want. There's no trails or paths. You know, we open we hunt big open woods where. The deer wants to walk past this rock one day and pass that tree another day. You know yeah, they can it's, it's, it's do whatever they want. It's definitely different. There's not big ag fields up there either, like not big food sources. Not where we're at anyway. I mean, right. there are some up there, but that's the other beauty of the camp that we bought is it's surrounded by Collins Pine Company land, which they give out extra DMAP tags. Mm-hmm. So we can get two DMAP tags up there. And not not affect the tags we buy in the rest of the state, which is really nice. Yep, he's giving away our secrets. <laughs> <laughs> we need to cut them off. <laughs> We're running in on time now. Yeah. <laughs> now that's funny. Uh, it's definitely different compared to around the house here. Um, we've taken some nice bucks around the house too, though. You know, Lawrence Beaver, yeah. Butler County. We're hunting a lot of different land though, too. You're talking about big woods up the mountains around here we're hunting i mean we hunt public land but it's not giant pieces of public most of the private land we hunt i mean you're lucky if you get on a farm that's 80 acres and that's a big piece of property for around here yeah the place Mm -hmm. we hunt down beaver we've been hunting down there for years and years the guy that allows us to hunt there um i think he has i think 120 or 130 acres yeah and of that probably 20 of it's a giant field yeah right so yeah, that's that's different than hunting. I think the DMAP area is six thousand acres or something. Yeah. Well, why don't you get into kind of some of your hunting tips, maybe some of your scouting tips, even. What what do you kind of look for when you go in the woods? So you have your climber on your back. You're walking through the woods. You're not quite sure where you're going to hunt. I know you always usually have a tree picked out pre-game, but what are you looking for for a fresh sign that make make you stop and set up somewhere else? Um, I'll be totally honest with you. I don't, I don't really think it matters that much because I think most of the sign you see, like the buck scrapes and the rubs and the feeding scrapes, I believe most of those happen at night. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and again, the places I've hunted, I've hunted for so long. I don't just go to an area. I go to right. a tree. Yeah. Right. I know the specific tree I'm climbing. And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But, but you know, when we go out of state, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. You know, we go out of state to an unfamiliar area, um, like when we went to Ohio or Illinois when we first started going out there, you definitely want to look for a, a good rub line, scrapes. Scrapes along the edge of a field, in my opinion, or along like a logging road are totally worthless. Yeah, that's your... Uh, those are nocturnal Those are your nocturnal scrapes, um, yeah. But, but if you find a nice scrape line back in the woods a ways that isn't on an established trail like that, then, you know, it can produce dividends, and then again, it can't. That's archery hunting. That's hunting in general. Mm-hmm. To, to hunt public land, like I said before, and to, to, to pattern anything or even... It's almost impossible. You say you watch these guys in these hunting shows, and first of all, they're guided. Okay, they're hunting for free. They're going to give the guide 
in the guy's company airtime. Yep. And they hunt for free on the farm. Well, well where would you, if you were doing that and this guy's putting your, your thing on TV, you're going to give him the best stand that you have. <laughs> yeah, right. Or the biggest buck you've been seeing on exactly. camera consistently. Exactly. Yeah. He's yep. going to climb a tree and that deer has probably never seen a person on the ground <laughs> its whole life, maybe. Now, they'll see him riding around on four wheelers. Yep. You know? That doesn't mean anything to them. They'll see farm equipment. That that's not threatening. Yep. You know, but to, to actually see people stalking around in camos, they don't ever see that. Yeah. So they keep it as low pressure as possible. Right. So but every people time see that. guys go out, right. it's, it's, people see that and they think, especially non-hunters and especially anti-hunters, they see that and they think, well, look how easy that is. What kind of sport is that? Yeah, come with me. I'll show you how easy it is. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we hunt a total different world. but It is. It's totally different. But, yeah, I mean, you look for nice, obviously, if you see big rubs. To me, that's a big deer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, same thing, scrape lines. If you're doe hunting, you know, look for feeding scrapes. Look for good feeding scrapes where they've been feeding on acorns and stuff. And it can work out for you. Yeah. Well, let's go back into hunting out of state. Uh, you got into hunting out in Illinois back way before I could probably even go out there when I was a kid. And I remember you always going out and having 10-day hunts and coming back. And, right. you know, sometimes you guys were really successful and sometimes you weren't. But why don't you go ahead and talk into how you got into hunting out in Illinois or out of state, maybe? Well, basically how it turned out was our first out-of-state hunt was Nebraska. Uh, in 97, yeah, 97, we went out to Nebraska. Uh, me and my buddy Brumby and Nicky Cordero, a guy I worked with, and, um, yeah, we had hit or miss. It was tough hunting. It was kind of like grasslands with some bent, gnarly trees, but it was pretty cool. And then I didn't get another chance to go again until 2000 when a buddy of mine I worked with, Dave Wadding, uh, we went to Colorado for an elk hunt. And, you know, we slept in tents on national forest land and you know, we dug a hole to, for our outhouse and uh, it was pretty cool and I said well I'm coming back here every year just because of the different things you see like I saw pine martens running through the woods I saw snowshoe hares I saw these really stupid grouse big grouse I don't remember <laughs> what they were now um, you know mule deer it was pretty cool I said, well, this is really cool. I'm going to do this every year. Well, then Colorado decided that, that their license went from 250 to $500 the next year. Yep. Oh, moving in. That was the end of uh, Colorado. So then Illinois landed a big bucks. You know, we all researched it, and we researched it, and um, we found a spot, archery only. Uh, my nephew, Bill, found the spot, and we started going out there, but... The first few years were not great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'd see some big bucks around, but we'd scrape. I think the first year or two, uh, I, I got my doe on the last day of the hunt, you know, or buck. I shot a little four corn at one time, you know. That, but that was back before we were really trophy hunters. You know, that was I think 2001, the first year we went out there. But then, as we spent more time out there, we got to learn the area, and then it became a lot nicer. Yeah, and uh, we've saw some monster bucks out there on public land. Um, then the EHD hit and just wiped them out. 
Yep. I mean, literally wiped them out. The last you were there, the last year, weren't I you? I was. Yeah. Um, the biggest I started. I knew something was up when I saw spikes and forkhorns chasing does, and nothing else was around. And the biggest buck I saw was a six point. I went and shot in PA. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you got to know something's wrong then. Yeah. yeah. We stopped seeing them even on private ground. Remember, you yeah. drive around. You weren't. Even, we weren't right. even seeing the big ones. We'd see good PA eight points. Right. If yeah. And uh, that that was a tip because you know I, I've seen a lot of really big bucks out there. Mm-hmm. I mean a lot. Now I've killed them obviously. Again, it's bow hunting. If I'd have been gun hunting, I'd have killed a whole bunch of them. But it's bow hunting. You got a real one, real nice one out of there though. I, I got a yeah. I, I got one. It was a one scored about one forty five. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice nice big nine point. That initially when I first saw it, I didn't think I was going to shoot it. And I was looking through the binocs, and it turned its head, and I saw a five on the one side. I said, okay, I'm going to take it, and it was just perfect. It's just like it was on a string, 25 yards, me, stop, whack, perfect shot. Mm-hmm. Um, vultures start eating by the time we got to them. Oh, vultures <laughs> out there, man. Vultures are bad. <laughs> oh, if it's bad. not vultures, it's coyotes. Yeah. You it's don't ever hear there. anybody talking about that either, uh, right? I'll tell you what, something dies out there. It isn't on the ground long, and something's nope. eating it. Yeah, 100%. I shot this buck, and I was pretty sure of a good shot, but it was early. It was like 7, 30, 8 o'clock in the morning. It was freezing cold. We're all like, well, let's give it time. We'll go back, put some lighter clothes on, um, make some coffee, which we did. Took our time. Boy, it had died right on the edge of a little field. And, and I, I get up to it, and I see these holes in it. And I'm like, man, somebody shot this before. And then I started looking. Well, tufts of fur on it. The vultures. Mm-hmm. The vultures had found it. Thank God they didn't get it completely because they'll strip a carcass. Oh, yeah. They don't I mean, they're long. nasty. And, uh, well, yeah, you, the vultures almost got it. Well, we well you remember the year I hit mine out there. Yeah. I shoot one in the morning. Um, pretty nice eight point, probably 130 class buck. Just by, but at that point, I'm young. It, this deer is a beautiful buck. Comes right underneath me, cold, crisp. We were right on the edge of a front. Giant rainstorm all night long. Me and Brubby, as you mentioned, Jerry Baker, we said, you know what? We're out in Illinois. We're hunting. We're going out in the morning. It transitioned from from rain to snow. Got out there. Got up in my stand. Don't you know it? Crunch, crunch, crunch. I look over. There's a buck 10 yards away. Walks out to 20, 25 yards. Draw back. Shoot it. And we were using nocturnals at that point, And I could see it sticking out of it. And it, was run, it ran off, stopped, kind of disappeared. But we gave it time. We ended up tracking this deer, jumping it, gave it all morning. You guys went hunting. I said, I'm going to go back out in the afternoon and try to find it. We lost blood, and eventually I just thought to myself, I'm going to track the vultures. Because I knew the vultures would find that deer if it was dead. Yep. And it worked. I literally got I got in the truck. I was, running, I was riding around all through the camp. I looked up. I saw two vultures up in a tree, looked down, and there was a pelt there. Got out of the truck, walked over to it. They already had three of the four legs off of it, and the the pelt was pulled back like over its head, and the whole rib cage, everything was exposed. So I didn't know what the hell to think of it at this point, if it was my deer or not. So I went back to the camp. They got back from hunting. I told my dad the story. He said, no, this is way too coincidental. Let's go look at that for real. So we went back out, brought the flashlights, looked at it. We pulled back the, the pelt, and the head was cut off. Yeah, somebody already <sighs> Somebody cut the head off 
before mm-hmm. you know the vultures had even found it. Well, it died right by a road in the camp. Yep. Some, yeah. And people drive through there all the time. And we found out later who did it, some scumbags from Florida, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they had cut the head off, and then the, the vultures had just had their way with it. And uh, oh, thing could tell, we pulled the hide back, and he was, at the time, he was shooting two-blade broadheads. Nobody uh, shoots a two-blade broadhead. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, in the hide is a two-blade broadhead hole. Yep. So that's how we know that was his deer. Yeah. Plus right. it was headed that way. Yeah. yeah. The last time we saw it. It was only there was no few hundred yards. Yeah, from where we had last jumped it. Yeah. So. so that's the hunter ethic part. Who knows? Yeah. But then we went to uh, Ohio. We had one bad year in Ohio. We tried hunting by Ravenna and it was just like all hunter pressured, small game. But Horrible. then it was terrible. Horrible. Then we found a place closer to southern Ohio, kind of away from everybody. Well, we went there first. We went That's to Salt right. Fork first for a year, and we found a place. It took a while, but we Charles actually eventually found a spot we could hunt, maybe 80 acres, if that, on this creek bottom. And, and we did good. Mm-hmm. We took uh, Russ took a Pope and Young buck, took a 10-point. I don't know what it scored, but I'll guarantee it was Pope and Young. And yeah. um, we, we harvested a few does, I think. Me and you doubled up that morning, remember? With the does, yeah. Um, But we didn't get any other bucks, right? No, no other bucks that time. But then, me being me, I'm like, well, this is one little spot. You know, what if we come back here next year and there's five cars parked there? So we started looking for another place. And we scouted a place called, I think it's called West Branch. Mm-hmm. Over by Ravenna, Ohio, which Ravenna, Ohio has the worst litter bugs in the world. There was more crap on the roads over there. It was disgusting. The woods like, are full of yeah, bottles. You'd and... go back and the one place there were like five big gulps. Empty, just trash everywhere. The biggest pigs in the world live in Ravenna, Ohio. <laughs> it, it disgusted me. Not just the woods, but the roads. Yeah. Like you, you drive around through the park and everybody that ate a McDonald's threw the bag out the window. <laughs> I, you had to see this place to believe it. It was unreal. It and was there were unreal. no deer there. And there were no deer. But I'll give credit. They had the best public showers I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was so nice. And that means something to us. Yes, it yeah, does. I mean, it was so nice. Heated. You know, it was mm-hmm. beautiful. But uh, no deer there. Uh, but the but the park, boy, they got a ton of usage. I'm up on this ridge top one day, and I'm I'm in my climber. And first, this kid comes walking by with a coffee in his hand. And I'm like, you know, this isn't an easy walk up a hill. And I kind of whistle at him. He looks, oh, oh, sorry. I'm up here scouting for the youth gun season. Okay, great. Get out of here. <laughs> so the kid leaves. And I'm sitting there. It's just getting to be starting to get late. You know, something might happen. I hear this noise. I look over. Here's three idiots on mountain bikes. On this trail that I'm telling you, I wouldn't take a dirt bike on. And these clowns are pedaling mountain bikes through through the woods on this trail that's maybe a foot wide of giant rocks and dirt. And that was the end of it. You know, hikers walked by. The one day there were like seven guys going through the woods squirrel hunting. It was yeah. a nightmare. It yeah. was a big mistake. Well, if there's a couple things we preach, it's one, don't litter, and the other one is tree stand safety. Never litter. It's like Russ yeah. said when he was on. If you go in the woods with it, bring it out. Yep. I mean, he said you. I mean, you instilled that in. Oh, no, you never litter. Yeah, I mean, never. Just that a, doesn't it's, happen. It's the most disgusting thing you can do. 
disrespectful to the woods and to your fellow hunters and anybody else who uses that land. I mean, if you can carry in a 16-ounce bottle of water full, you can sure carry it out empty. Oh, yeah. But people don't think like that. That's part of the deal, too. But. No, and it was mostly small game hunters. Uh, I remember we were hunting. I was scouting a field edge, and I, I could hear people hunting that field that morning. And I walked in one way and walked out the same way. And by the time I walked in and came back out, someone had brought an entire, like, sheets breakfast with a bag, and they had their two-liter of pop you and everything. You had to see this place. You I mean, they just dropped it. <laughs> this is unbelievable. You'd have to see it to believe it. <laughs> Honestly, it was unreal. They'd just yeah. bring it in, and they would just drop it on the ground. We shot one deer. Russ shot a, uh, a doe. And yeah. I shot a ringneck with my bow, so that was a plus. That's the first time I ever did that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, I figured I might as well shoot him. I'm there. I'm, I got a license. Yeah, why well, wouldn't you? any deer. <laughs> there were a lot of ringneck. 25 yards, took them out. We I'm ate them. Hunting now. Delicious. I did see a decent buck on the very first day we were there. He wasn't bad, but I was in a really thick area. I had no clue. We just kind of walked in the woods, climbed a tree, and set up. And I thought, man, this is going to be good. But I remember it was supposed to be the rut, and he just fed out into this field, and I kind of slightly grunted. I grunted in a little tiny four, four point, but he just never paid any attention to me at all. Just yep. kept feeding off, and I thought, this is going to be a really good trip. And that was where yeah. the last two deer I saw until I saw yeah. like four point again on the last day I was there, and I was going to shoot it. I tried. I was going to shoot him. It wouldn't come. I had a decoy up, and he would not come into that decoy. <laughs> he was so it. freaked out and afraid of that decoy. Even though it was, I only made it a half rack, four on one side, he just was not coming in. Well, yeah, I mean, he was a little dinker. I mean, yeah, that half rag is still kick his butt. Yeah. So. I tried forcing a shot through a little hole when I ended up hitting a limb and missing. But yeah. I was like, you're going down. I watched him for hours. That place was <laughs> terrible. Yeah. So yeah, we went but, back to Salt Fork the next year, and again, yeah. somebody shot a Pope and Young Buck. Yep. Jelly shot one. Yep. And you shot a buck. I shot a buck. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we saw some deer. Um, I could have shot a couple of does. I didn't shoot them. I was doed out that year. I just wanted a buck, but I never. Uh, I saw a couple mm-hmm. early on, decent ones in the distance, and I moved my stand over there, and then they never came through again. Yeah. And uh, then the next year we went to Illinois, and my buddy went there last year, and sure enough, he pulls in there to park, and there's 10 vehicles in that area. Oh, man. So we still don't know what we're going to do next year. We're leaning towards Kentucky. Yeah. I've been hearing great things about Kentucky. Well, I just saw a thing the other day, a chart, and it had all-time Boone Crockett's on the list. Kentucky's number five. Yep. In the last 10 years, Kentucky's number three. It's ahead of Illinois. Yep. Kentucky's been producing some monster yeah, bucks. So it's been a sleeper state for a while now. Yeah, you know? as long as it's now that's you know that's with all different weapons and everything. But as long as it's not real hilly, then I'm in. I read an article about the terrain actually. I think because you guys mentioned that you were going to Kentucky, and I was reading something, and it said um, I think the eastern part of the state was very hilly. That's but once you start getting towards the right. western part, it's more right. ag land, right. and right. there's it's, also less public. But if you do find a piece of public or you get permission, it's solid. Well, they have, they have several wildlife management areas. The, um, the the problem with Kentucky is their rifle season comes in, I think, like November 10th or something, 11th, whatever it is. Oh, that's way Which is when we even. want to hunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they have multiple wildlife management areas that are archery only. 
Saying nothing wrong with that. That's what we're looking for. I wish we would do that, honestly. Yes, I do too. <laughs> yeah, that'd or, be nice. Or even go like to. Uh, I'd hope that years ago that they would go to even shotguns. Yeah. Lawrence Beaver, you know. Yep. Um, I hate to say this. It's I don't. I didn't. But when that when that lady got shot that one year, you know, somebody shot through her house and killed her down. It was in Allegheny or not Allegheny. It was in. Uh, might have been in Beaver County, but anyway, a horrible thing, tragedy. But you know, I I thought maybe that would spur them on to make it shotgun only, but it's it's just too ingrained in here. Oh yeah, yeah. And this oh, culture, yeah. Pennsylvania hunting culture, is mm-hmm. like really no other in the whole country. I mean, how many how many states closed down public schools for the first day of rifle? <laughs> Seriously, right? yeah. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if anywhere else does that. I don't. I don't think so. But. Maybe they do, but... And was it like that when you were in school? Yes. Yeah, so it's good. We closed the first two days. Oh, see, oh, first well, two days school fair. We got ripped. We did. Well, what you guys got, though, oh, yeah. was if you, you showed your hunting license, then the second day you were allowed. You yeah, were, uh, we actually know, so were. We were allowed to get the second day off. And have a hunting license. I don't think they did that for us. <laughs> it was the first day, and that was it. But I was still happy we got the first day off, so... Yeah, I think that the numbers of hunting or number of hunters around here is already declining. I think they're afraid if they take out rifles out of the hands that the numbers will even decline even more. That's probably yeah. part of it, you know. And the state can't really afford to lose any more money. We're already pretty poor Commonwealth. Yeah, well, that happened. But now, Russ, you mentioned something earlier that really intrigued me. You mentioned something about a tornado. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta hear about this. Uh, I want to say it was two thousand seven. We were we had my pop up out of Illinois, and um, we were hunting. We went out for the afternoon hunt. It was bad weather. And this is before we knew how bad it got out there, and um, you know there were tornado warning or watches, I should say. Conditions were favorable, put it that way. So you know us being us from Pennsylvania, we're going hunting anyway. So <laughs> we goes me. My nephew Billy, my friend Jerry Baker, we call him Brubby, so he'll be Brubby from now on. Mm-hmm. Um, we go out, and Brubby was hunting all the way on the other side of the park. We have to understand Illinois. It's public land all around this big lake, and the road just twists and winds and twists and winds. All It takes probably 35 minutes to drive from one end of the park to the other. Even though it's a crow flies, it's probably only two miles. Yeah. But, you know, you can only go. Anyway, so we go out, we drop Brubby off, <clears throat> and... Uh, we come back, and I'm going to get out, and I get out of the truck, and I hear this big thunder boom, and I'm like, you know, check the weather. So, again, didn't have the phones back then to do that. Uh, so we listened to the radio, and we heard that. And I said, you know what, I'm not going into the woods. I'm not taking a chance. Yep. I said, let's go see what Brubby wants to do, you know, because the storm's coming. And uh, we drive down, and back then we had radios, little walkie-talkies. And, and I, I called him, what do you want to do? He's like, well, I'm going to hunt. I'm like, okay. So we went further down the road looking for deer, just screwing around. We come back. We got probably a quarter mile from his tree, and we hear this bang, this big thunder, lightning, boom. And uh, we hear in the radio, come get me, come get me. <laughs> so we pick Rob up, and, and we're driving back to the, to the camp site, the camper. It's a state campground where we were staying. And we hear on the radio something, tornado warning, southwest Marion County, or southeast, whatever it was. I don't remember now. So my nephew and my buddy were like, where are we at? I said, that's where we're at. <laughs> and I'll never forget, we pulled up. There's a little four-way stop sign out there right by the park office.
office and um, and I looked over and I could see this little swirly thing like the little you know little tornado things you see like a dust devil yeah yeah, yeah we see it but the leaves are swirling I said you know what don't worry about the stop sign let's go <laughs> so sure enough we, we headed back to the campground and we got about 400 yards away from the campground when the tornado hit we actually drove through the tornado in my truck I wasn't driving my nephew was driving it was so bad I reached up because I was in the back seat I didn't have my seatbelt on and I reached up and I grabbed the hold of the roof because I thought for sure the truck was going to roll over oh man I mean all you could hear it sounded like somebody was sandblasting the truck with marbles um, what it was, was it was picking up all the debris from the forest floor, all the acorns, all oak trees out there, and just pelting them into the side of the truck. Oh. And it was so black, you couldn't see the hood of the truck. You couldn't see it. Like, I'm sure the lights came on, but you couldn't see them. And my nephew's driving. He went off the road. I'm yelling at him to get back on the road. He's yelling at me, I can't see the damn road. <laughs> and um, I, it was terrifying. I ain't going to lie to you. It was terrifying. Um, just crazy wind just smashing into there in the blackness. And then we popped out of it, about, I don't know, 100 yards from the bathhouse, which is the only shelter there. Yeah. So we raced to the bathhouse, and we ran inside, pouring down rain. And, um, it, you know, we realized by now we're out of the tornado. And I went out, and I looked, and I couldn't see the pop-up, which is only about 125 yards away from the bathroom. So I, I got my binoculars out of the truck because it was still raining real hard and darkish then. Couldn't see real great. And uh, I picked up the binoculars and I could see my pop-up, but I could see the axle and the tires, oh, no. which isn't a good thing. No, that's bad. <laughs> and what had happened was it had picked up the pop-up, turned it sideways, and then just smashed it into these trees. Oh. Basically just destroyed it. Caved the whole roof in. If we'd have been in the camper... You know, if we wouldn't have got killed, we'd have got jacked up. It was bad. Thank yeah. God we weren't in. Thank God we were stupid and thought we were going to go hunting. <laughs> well. And um, it, it really it just did a number on the camper. We ended up borrowing some tools from the maintenance guys out there, and we stripped the whole camper down. We took everything out because it was destroyed. Because we, we had to take our stuff home. Yeah. We still had to bring our stuff home because we had everything in there. Yeah. And uh, we made like a trailer out of it, you know, and, and we ended up hauling it home. But... Um, yeah, that was that was very interesting. That's intense. Yeah, and then for like two, three years after that, whenever we'd go anywhere, we were like rock stars. <laughs> I mean, this is a little community. These towns have 200 people in them. You know, everybody knew, oh, you them boys from Pennsylvania? Yeah. Was you the one that had your camper done up in the tornado? Yeah, that was us. Oh, yeah, I remember that. You know, so we were we were pretty well known about that time. They're pretty southern down there. Very it, was, it is. You would swear if somebody just dropped you in there and you talked to somebody, you'd swear you're in Georgia. Oh, they man. have a drawl. You know, every they do everything slow. It's just like being old time south. Now it's changed obviously over the years, and not for the better. But you know, there were some great memories there. I yeah. think uh, Greg Branch is a follower of the podcast, so shout out to Greg. Hey, Greg. Hold <laughs> it, bastard. <laughs> uh, Greg's my boy. I'll tell you what. Well, you saw, you had to be there. I mean, I was kind of in shock. I, I'm not yeah. going to lie to you. You know, my camper's gone. I'm alive, which was good. You know, we're all alive. We're not hurt. But still, my camper, it's gone. It's destroyed. I didn't have no, I thought we had insurance. Didn't. That's a whole other story I won't get into. But, um, 
the generosity of the people out there. You know, we had people come up to us. Greg was one of them. Greg said, see, Greg does deer camp at his house is in his garage. Yeah. So he's got beds and stuff. So he's like, come on, you come and stay with us. Get your shit. Let's go. You know, you can stay in my garage, get everything settled. Uh, we had another guy come over. We'd met out there. We talked to you for a couple years. He's like, hey, come on down. You guys can stay with us. We'll get you a bed. It was just, it was amazing. Yeah. You know, the, the support we got from people that we didn't hardly even know. And luckily, it just happened. There's one cabin in this whole, this whole campground, and it's always full, and there was nobody in it. Oh, man, so they that's said, lucky. hey, guys, go take that cab. The park superintendent come down, Glenn, and he's like, hey, go take that cabin. You know, well, let me pay it. Don't worry about it. Go put your stuff up there. You know, so we stayed there, and we could still hunt. You know, we had to take a whole day to get all our stuff gathered up. I mean, where we camps on the edge of a, a pretty good gully ravine, and, and all our cookware's down there. We got stuff up on the other hillside. You know, so we had to gather all our stuff. We had to tear the camper apart. We threw it all in the big dumpsters they had. and then, But we still got to hunt. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Greg's a, Greg's a good guy. They're all good guys out there. Yeah. That's what you don't see around here. You don't know, and uh, yeah, that that's what was, when we first went out there, it was amazing. It was like going back in time to when I was a kid, and you guys are too young to understand this, but you know, when I was a kid, nobody locked their doors, everybody knew everybody, everybody talked to everybody, you know, if you did something wrong, they'd yell at you, your neighbors, and then call your parents, and then you get your ass whooped, or you get yelled at again, you know, but it was like, it was like a sense of community, like, and when you, when first years anyway, we went out there, it was like that. Yeah. Like you'd walk in, they had this, there's this little general store. It's not much bigger than the Rack Shack. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you'd walk in and somebody would be coming out and they'd say, hi, well, I'm friendly. Hey, how you doing? Oh, good. Where are you from? And then you were in for a 15-minute conversation. Oh, you yeah. Know, you couldn't just go in and get a loaf of bread or a bag of ice. Everybody wanted to know where you're from. And, and they were amazed. Oh, don't you got no deer in Pennsylvania? <laughs> yeah, we do. Yours just got bigger horns. But, yeah. <laughs> but just, I mean, I'm talking complete strangers, just the nicest people you ever meet in your life. You know, you drive by somebody going down the road, they wave. You drive by somebody working out in the yard, they wave. It, it's changed. Again, it's changed a little, but it's still a pretty cool place. It, awesome. It's still pretty cool. Last year we were there. I remember we got breakfast that one morning. Ayuka. At the Ayuka Cafe, yeah. Yeah, and we were kind of, because this big, big storm was moving, and we're like, oh, let's go get something to eat. <laughs> so we went there, and yeah. it was like, it was almost like on a rotation. Like, one guy would come over, and he'd talk for 15, 20 yeah. minutes. He'd go sit down. Another person come over, yeah. and he'd talk 15, 20 minutes, and then they'd go sit down. And then Some nice people. You know, Nicest everyone's you just, they, you basically, you walk into a place, and now you're part of that right. little place. You're part yeah. of that little community. That's you know, awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. a round table discussion throughout the yeah, entire throughout place. The whole, throughout the whole uh, diner, everybody's talking. That's it's just awesome. amazing. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, do you want to touch more then, speaking of times back then to now? I know you mentioned that you wanted to talk about the golden age that we're living yeah. in now. What, what I wanted to bring up, because unless you get another old guy on your show, you guys don't understand, your brother don't understand, you don't understand what hunting used to be like in Pennsylvania. You know, we, I talked to you guys a little bit earlier, like now we get, I got right now, I have five doe tags and I'm probably going to get another one. Back in the day, they didn't do that. Mm -hmm. You know, they would, uh, they might only give out 2000 doe tags. They did a county wide back then. They might only give out 2000 doe tags in the whole county of Warren and there might be 
12,000 people apply. So if you got drawn, and that was after they took care of all their buddies because they got taken care of first, oh, the yeah. locals, <laughs> you know, then, you know, and there were years that there were only, you know, we might, 15 people might put in for doe tags and you might only get two, you know. Now, it's a given. Your first tag's a given unless oh, you're yeah. dumb. Yeah. You know, even 2F, which is one of the most sought-after tags, if you put in early enough, you're going to get a 2F tag. Oh, yeah. If you, get you, know, if you wait round. to mail it on Wednesday, you might not get it. But, True. you know, back then, and, and, you know, the again, we saw a ton of deer, but you didn't see the bucks. You definitely didn't see the monsters that are running around the state now. But the technology, as far as archery goes, you know, you, you have that going for you. You know, the, the clothing... The, the scent wash soap. Oh, we didn't have none of that stuff back then. Yeah, so you guys are right now living in the golden era of whitetail hunting in Pennsylvania, and, and I, I think you both appreciate it because I know you do. In fact, mm -hmm. you know, but um, coming from where I came from, you know, waiting three years to shoot my first deer. Uh, you know, I, you shot your first deer probably when you were twelve. I did. There you go. I was nineteen. Shot two of them. Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's. This is the time to be sitting in the rain. <laughs> this is the time to be hunting anyway. The, 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 the racks, the availability, um, the quality of the deer hunting, antler restrictions, I think, are the best thing they ever did. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is, and, and I don't know, maybe somebody else said it too, but, but when they first implemented antler restrictions, I was okay with it. My whole thing was, what about the kids? Yeah. You can't have a kid try to count points. And I emailed them. I emailed them all. I sent them letters to the, all the game commission. Guess what? They said, okay, guess what we're not going to do? The kids don't have to do that. Whether I was the only one that did that, I'm sure I wasn't. But I made a pretty compelling argument. Yep. Um, it's like way, way back when, when they first came out with orange. When I was a kid, you didn't have to wear orange. Most people wore these red, bulky, oh, my God, you, you look like the Michelin <laughs> Man uh, bulky things, throws your butt off, no Gore-Tex, no Thinsulate, you know. Um, it was it was a big big difference than what it is today, but I remember awarding one time, first first year I think we had that orange. He's like, where's your orange? Why well, have orange pants on? I said, I got orange pants on. He's like, oh, okay, next year it come out, 100 square inches, head, back, and neck. Yeah. So I don't know how many other guys did that or if they just called the headland rule because we have a lot of headland rules. <laughs> different areas but, yeah, um, yeah it, it's just it's it's nice to to be living in the golden era of whitetail hunting in Pennsylvania because this is the best hunting this state has ever seen other than maybe in the 1900s when I wasn't born I don't know yeah well you mentioned also getting drawn for tags and uh, Austin actually kind of showed me a minute ago we didn't bring up yet you got drawn tag for a PAL yes I did it was uh that's a redneck lottery there boy yeah i put in every year i got i don't even know how many points i have accumulated and i i'm waiting yeah. this year the draws the day after my birthday that'd be the <laughs> best birthday present ever probably not going to happen this year but you're the only person that i actually know that's drawn a pal tag well uh, and another guy strangely enough another guy I used to work with donnie magno lives right up on shenango road or at least he used to he got drawn yeah and uh <laughs> But yeah, if you look at it, they do real detailed uh, breakdown of all the people drawing. And I think I, I was in it from day one. 
So I think I had like nine preference points when I got drawn. Yeah. Um, almost everybody had a lot of preference points. There was maybe one person that had less than five the year that I got drawn anyway. And what they do is when you get drawn for an elk tag or a cow tag, which I did, they erase all your preference points, but you can still apply. Yeah. If you get drawn for a bull tag, you can't apply for, I think it's three or five years. But, um, yeah, I got drawn. I had this big, fat, thick envelope in the mail from the game commission. I'm like, what is this crap all about? <laughs> I ripped it open. I started reading all this stuff. Well, that, that's how they let you know, you know. And, uh, yeah, it was cool. That was, it was a pretty cool hunt, you know, just because of the uniqueness of it. Actual hunt itself, it was okay. I, I used a bow. I shot mine with a bow. I think I'm the only person that, well, I know I'm the only person that year. I don't I'm sure other people have done it, but uh, I took a cow. I think she field dressed at like 453 pounds or something, something like that. I don't remember exactly. I have a certificate at home, but uh, it was pretty cool. It was a cool hunt, and they're the most delicious animal in the world. Yeah, we had a lot of meat for a long, long, long time. The back straps, chops as I call them, were like nice sized ribeyes. Oh, uh, yeah. And an elk isn't like deer meat. You don't have to get crazy seasoning or marinating. It's just like beef, man. Because they're grazers, just like oh, yeah. cattle. Yeah. They don't eat twigs, they eat grass. Yep. Um, what's amazing, which I didn't know until I went up there, because I'd never been up there before. They, the game commission, bulldozed all these giant fields for grass, because they have to have grass. They don't eat twigs. You know, so they have their food and cover core. I don't even know how many guys work up there on that thing. And they have these big 200-acre fields. They bulldoze up through the woods up there, and uh, it's pretty cool. It was a real cool hunt, though. But, yeah, that was definitely the redneck lottery. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> now, you mentioned at one point how it, it's kind of normal to us now that we do scent control. Back in the day, you didn't have scent control and probably didn't even really think about it, but... I always kind of find it interesting to find out what everybody's scent regimen is. So, uh, what's yours? Well, the regular clothing, obviously we wash in the scent away soap, laundry soap, with the, with the dryer sheets. I'm very crazy about my scent control. Yeah. Because, in my opinion, that's the most important part of hunting. You can get away with a little bit of movement, you know, especially if they're a long ways away. But if they sent you from 200 yards away, you're never going to see them, so... I always make sure before I go out, I shower with the uh, the green soap. What I started getting into probably, I don't know, it's probably been about seven or eight years. I don't know exactly. I was never a huge believer in the scent lock or the scent blocker. Simply because, you know, there's still stuff going to escape yeah. through your wrist or your neck. But I was wrong. And uh, I, I don't own stock in either one of the companies. But I'll tell you what, I that, that big buck I shot out of Illinois come in dead downwind to me. Just perfect scent conditions for them to smell me. Not a heavy breeze, not a light breeze, just a good steady breeze right at him the whole way. He never smelled me. You know, I, I had got up, showered that morning. We get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. We had the showers. We do the scent away. Everything sprayed down that isn't scent lock, scent blocker, and uh, never smelled me. I've had mature does with fawns who I think are probably the most wary deer in the woods, even over a buck. I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. And uh, same deal. I've had them come in dead downwind to me. I've been scented maybe twice in the last five or six years, and both times I blamed it on something besides me. You know, I know the one time I had, 
I had stored my climber in a, in a less than favorable place that had a little bit of odor. And I usually get crazy about it. I spray it all down, I hang it out for two weeks in the sun, you know, and I just didn't get crazy with it. And uh, I know that's what they smelled. It wasn't me, it was my climber. Yep. And last year I got scented, and I don't even think it was, I don't think they even scented me. I think they either scented coyotes or a bear because I had pictures on my trail cam from that area of them. Plus the buck, when he scented and bolted, he was upwind of me, so he wasn't smelling me. Yep. And then a doe started, or well, another deer, I should say, snorted another 150 yards downwind of me. So I freaked out. I went back. I scrubbed everything down. I took my fanny pack. I emptied everything out. I washed it. I washed my backpack. I washed everything. I sprayed my stand down insanely. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, they didn't smell me. Because <laughs> yeah. I was hunting on the edge of this big slashing. Yeah. And, uh... Again, I had multiple coyote and bear pictures on the trail cam from that area. One of those was in that thicket, was what it was. And they smelled it and freaked out. Oh, yeah. And that was a nice buck. That was a, a, a pretty, he'd have been close to, to Pope and Young. I'd have shot him, put it that way. Yeah. I had pictures of him on my trail cam. He's a nice deer. But, um, yeah, I'm a huge believer. You don't totally eliminate it with the scent lock and the scent blocker and the scent control, but you, you, you narrow it down to the point where it doesn't bother me, Yeah. in my opinion. And again, I don't own stock in a company, but I'm a huge believer in it. That's all I hunt in now, my yeah. outerwear, you know. Well, yeah. you're just trying to put every advantage in your, in your favor. You have I mean, to. Yeah. You yeah. have to when you're bow hunting. Gun hunting's one thing, you know. You can shoot something 250 yards away, you know. With a bow, my range is 40, and I prefer 25 and in. So, you know, that's up close and personal. And, and the scent, especially up the camp, up the mountains, it's even worse. Like around here, deer kind of get used to smelling people. Yeah. They feed in people's yard. You know, they're used to it. But up there, they don't, they don't handle it. And you better have your scent under control. That's one of the, the biggest things. I'm going to bring something up now that I wasn't going to talk about, but I don't care whose feelings I hurt. Uh, when they legalize crossbows in the state of Pennsylvania, Personally, I think it's the worst thing they ever did. Not so much because real bow hunters, and I know a few of them, let's not say real, but lazy bow hunters decided to take the shortcut. And that's fine. If you want to climb the tree, you want to do scent control, fine. Just don't call yourself a bow hunter. I've come to the point where I accept it. Just don't call yourself a bow hunter because you're not. Um, you're a cross-gun hunter. But this isn't what happened. What it did... They tried to bring extra hunters into the woods, and, and what they did, they didn't bring any extra hunters. They just sold more tags because yeah. mm -hmm. people already had a hunting license, but now they sold more archery tags, right. which are, what, ten ninety now, I think. So they made that money, but they unleashed this, this army of morons into the woods that don't understand hunting. They've destroyed, ruined several of our hunting areas over the years, and, you know, you get there, and you're like, where are the deer at? You know, the one place I hunted, I've killed a deer out of the same tree every year. Some year I get two deer out of it. See deer all the time. I go, I hunt there five, six times. I don't see a single deer. So sure enough, one night I'm up in a tree. Here comes the idiot with his cross gun over his back. No tree stand. Cushion. Sitting on a log somewhere. They think they're gun hunting. You're not gun hunting. And it, it just, it destroys the woods for real hunters. And, and people get really pissed when I say this. I don't care. It's a fact. Whether you agree with it or not, it's a fact. I've seen it. Charles had an instance down Beaver the one time. You want to go oh, yeah. on that a little bit? Yeah, there was uh, actually, it was, 
I was hunting a pretty nice field edge and I obviously I'm doing everything right and scent free and a buck's coming in across and it there's a good half hour left in of daylight and this buck's coming across this ridge right down through the field he's going to come right to me I mean he's on a string and I get my bow and I'm standing up I'm waiting for him all of a sudden this buck stops dead on a string picks his head up and bolts the other direction and I'm like what the hell did I do wrong I haven't moved I'm, I was already standing up because it was the end of the night you know, my bow's right there. And I'm I'm trying to blame myself. What did I do wrong? Well, sure enough, I look back. There's this guy walking out with his crossbow on his back, walking across the middle of the field. There's a half an hour left of light. This is Prime deer time. 30. Prime I mean, time. the time you want to be in yeah. the woods. That's why you sit in a tree stand for four hours waiting oh. for that half an hour. Yep. And I got this big buck coming right towards me, and this guy's walking across the field, and he spooks him away. And he walks right down past me, right down the field edge, and walks away. Did he have a tube chair? <sighs> Honestly, I think he may have. Because <laughs> apparently when you buy a cross, bun, cross gun, they, they sell you a tube chair. Because <laughs> I've bucket. seen you get the multiple, choose. multiple, that they're carrying their tube chair, which a camp chair, a folding chair, whatever you want to call it, what you guys are sitting in. Right. And they have that under one arm and their cross gun slung over their shoulder, so you know they're going to go screw up the woods. Yeah. You know, you can't do that in PA. You can't do that anywhere. Right. You, once a deer figures out that there's somebody in there hunting them, they don't go there no more. No, it might gone. be two, three weeks. They might not go back the rest of the season into that area. And it's, it's you know, again, I've cut. Initially, I was really, really, really badly against it. But, you know, I've come to accept it. Just act like you're a bow hunter. You mm -hmm. aren't one, but act like you're one. Don't yeah. act like you're gun hunting. You know, we, we saw, we had a, an instance, I think it was two years ago, out, out Boyers where we hunt, where a guy had shot a kid with a cross gun mm -hmm. on a tube chair, had shot at a deer, and my buddy, Brubby, ran into him. He's like, yeah, I shot one. I missed it. Brubby's like, there's blood on your fletching. Ah, oh, no, I think I just grazed him. Well, <laughs> Charles had shot a deer that night, same night, and we're tracking Charles's deer, and... Um, you know, it's like it's turned into speckle, speckle, speckle. And then all of a sudden there's blood everywhere. And I'm like, this ain't your deer. Yeah, you I'm can like, tell well, it's just old blood. Well, it's but... it's in the same, we got to follow it. So sure enough, we follow it and we find this buck who's dead. The kid had shot him in the face. Oh, man. He had a big gash in his cheek and he had grazed the, the artery in the neck. The deer probably only went 200 yards. Not even, I if would say. If the kid would have followed up on the shot, he'd have found the deer. There was enough blood Stevie Wonder could have found. <laughs> you couldn't miss it. I mean, it's, I'm talking, it wasn't a trail. Right. It was literally like someone walking through the woods with a paint can yeah. dropping the, the blood. That's the kind of hunters it's brought into the woods. So if the game commission thinks for $10.90 or whatever the heck the tags are now, I'm not even sure what they are. I think that's what they are. If you think that's worth it to ruin hunting for for people who've done it forever, then they have more power to you. Yeah, it's got its pros and cons for, but it's always been the way. If someone gets hurt or injured, or you know you're of older age where you need to use them, you can't draw a bow That's back anymore. I have no you know, problem with that. Yeah, we're all for it. But actually, the funny thing is, I just read an article today on it because this the Raven crossbow, the new crossbow that they came out with, the they shoot hundred yards. Not only that, they had a contest at Deer Fest where they were shooting two hundred yards. And if you got it within a nine-inch circle, you got one entry in to win that crossbow. If you got in a three-inch circle, you got three entries. The guy that wrote this article shot three shots, 
and end up hitting the three inch once and the nine inch twice. Two hundred yards. Two hundred yards. How is, how can you allow that in both seasons? And yeah. that's what the article was based off of. They're talking about how now crossbows are becoming more of cross guns and the safety of them and everything else. What they want to do, and I don't know how much this really had grounds, but what he said is they're actually taking a look at it. The committees are taking a look at this now. ATA is taking a look at crossbows and one they either are going to put a limit on them say okay you can only go up to 400 feet per second because the the speed race that crossbow companies are under right now everybody's coming up with a bigger better batter crossbow and he said they're taking a look at either reducing them to a certain amount of speed so that you don't have this where you can shoot 100 yards out the safety factor too but yeah, you know, what if you shoot at this deer and you miss it? I do that with my bow. The arrow is going maybe ten more yards. It's going in the ground. Well, that arrow can travel another eighty yards. You're sitting there totally camo, head to toe. There's no way somebody's going to see you a hundred yards away in the woods. Right. Next thing you know, there's an arrow stuck in you. Or I mean, the safety restrictions, the the restriction zones are less for right, archery than they are rifle. Also, right. yeah, because of that factor. Houses, Fifty yeah. yards. Yeah. But the other interesting point on that. Um, that he brought up, I think, was the fact that, like you mentioned, their initial thought was this is going to bring new people into archery. And it actually, they didn't have this extra sales of equipment and accessories because the people would buy one crossbow and some arrows and that's it. These people weren't spending the money that regular compound shooters were spending and putting back into the sport. And it didn't bring any more extra hunters into the woods it just brought hunters who didn't bow hunt or were terrible bow hunters you know they went and bought an archery tag so that they could take their cross gun into the woods basically was it so they yeah they made an extra 11 bucks on each person and just screwed the woods all up and and it's happened i could go on and on tell you stories i'm not going to go into it but it's not an isolated incident put it that way i mean this has happened more than once oh yeah well, let's go into something different then. Let's uh, bring up, because you mentioned it before that you were more of a trophy hunter. Um, why don't we talk about what kind of buck you kind of target nowadays? Um, are you more of like an old age type of buck? Or do you look at the size of an antler when they're coming in? What are you targeting when you're out there? I think in Pennsylvania, especially the first couple weeks of the season, I'm probably looking for a Pope and Young buck because mm-hmm. they're there now. Back in the day, you couldn't do that. Now you can. Uh, I'll try to hold out. You know, the, the middle of the season, even the first week of the rut, I'm still looking for a good mature buck. You know, the last week of the season or the last few days before we're going around a state hunt. Yeah, mature buck. You know, like the one I shot a few years back. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a giant deer, the biggest body deer I've ever shot in my life. And uh, you know, it. It's everybody. Everybody has their own ideas what a trophy is. Right. Any deer would have bows a trophy. My thing is, I've shot a lot of deer. I have no desire to shoot another young eight point that someday could turn into a good buck. You know, and, and I know that's that's a terrible thing to say. Trophy hunters, oh my God, we're the scourge of the earth. Mm-hmm. People don't mind if you hunt to eat, but don't 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 hunt for trophies. Well, guess what, idiots? I eat the trophy too. So what's right. the difference? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What, what, what is the difference? So you'd feel better. You're okay with me shooting a little dink spike. But heaven forbid I'd shoot a monster 10-point. Idiots, I'm going to eat it either way. But well, not um, only that, you're taking a deer out that's that's lived four or five years. You know, you're taking an older deer out. You're doing management a big favor by doing it that way. Yeah, chances are if you're shooting a bigger buck, it, it, it's probably been around. For, I mean, even if you're shooting a, 
a four-year-old buck, which is, I mean, almost unheard of. That's pretty old. That's pretty here. old for around here, but ancient. It, yeah, it's ancient. But if, like you said, if you're shooting the younger bucks, I mean, you're not letting them grow. I'm, I'm a, I've shot enough bucks that I'm a firm believer. I want, I'm kind of like you. I want to hold out for a better buck. But if I want to eat a deer, I'm gonna eat a buck if I shoot it, obviously. But mm-hmm. if I'm really out there hunting for meat, I'm shooting does. That's what doe tags right. are for. That's what doe tags are for. I'm filling That's the freezer right. with does. I mean, yep. it's it's. I've ate my deer, my buck tag more than once. You know, I've passed on on bucks that 20 years ago I'd have got hammered if I'd have shot them at the bar. You know, yeah. now I just look at them and go, "Wow, is he cool?" And I watch them. They feed all around me and they tempt me, but. That's just not what I'm there for. And that's not saying it's right or wrong for anybody else. You know, you do whatever you want to do as long as it's legal. Yeah, 100%. I I don't have any problem with that, you know. My biggest thing That's just me. Yeah, my biggest thing with that, I even told a kid on Instagram the other day, he put up a picture, it was a younger buck, but he was asking people, you know, is this buck big enough to shoot? I don't know if it's old enough. And I went on his Instagram and, you know, he, he shot a couple does and stuff like that. And I'm like, listen, man. Yes, it's a younger buck, but shoot what makes you happy. Exactly. I mean, if, if you haven't shot a buck before, don't exactly. care what anybody else is saying, whether, oh, you shot too small of a buck or anything. Yeah. Like, that buck's a trophy, man. Can't He's it. asking the wrong questions. Right. He's exactly. asking the wrong exactly. questions. You know, that's up to you. Now, now what I've noticed lately on social media, because I was never a social media guy up until, I think I got on Facebook maybe three years ago, if that. And that's because I was bored as crap one winter. <laughs> and just to see what it was about. And... uh People post things on that. I don't do the Instagram, so I don't know. It's that rain is back. coming down. <laughs> so we're getting hammered. <laughs> Let's um, just keep talking so we don't have to get out in the rain. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think people post things to intentionally start arguments. I agree. I've seen it too many times. They make the subject so controversial. They yep. do, too. Yeah. I see it all the time. I really hate when people hate on little kids. Like a little kid oh, shoots yeah. a, a four coin or something like right. that. And people are yelling at their dad. Why would you let him shoot that? It was yeah. too young. Because they're idiots. Yeah, yep. the kid. I mean, it's his first it's buck. My first buck was a four corn. I mean, let the kid shoot what he wants to shoot. He got excited about it. That's yeah. what it's about. I mean, yeah. and most people know that. It, but again, you social media is full of idiots. I was in a group on their Facebook. I don't even know what it was called. Pennsylvania hunting or whatever. Yeah. I got out of it because they're jackoffs. They just, you know, again, want to argue about everything. Yeah, they were. They, I was telling them about the cross, you know, just what I said about the crossbows and what they, oh, your woods, they're destroying, you know, and they're just people, I just, I got out of the group, I, I'm not into all that. Yeah. It's drama, everything's about drama now. Mm-hmm. You can't just go out and enjoy yourself, you have to worry about shooting a buck big yeah. enough so you don't get yeah. tore up by people on I'm Instagram like the, or whatever. Like the dentist that shot the lion, you know, heaven forbid. Her lady posts a picture of this beautiful giraffe she shot. Oh, my God, they, they want to kill her. They want to go and, and raid her house and, and kill her kids. And It's legal. Yeah. You know, who cares? It's yeah. a giraffe. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's legal. What's the difference? Giraffe yeah. or a deer? Yeah, and they fed kids that have been starving for 15 days, haven't had a yeah. lick to eat, and they bring yeah, back exactly. this giant giraffe that's right. going to feed them for Feeds a month. whole village. Yeah. 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 And, but people don't get that. I I've got into more arguments. Uh, what I got? I'm good. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Let's move along. I don't really have yeah. any desire to go over and shoot an elephant or giraffe or anything. I don't either. But, but if you do, somebody else you wants do. to, and it's legal, yeah, go for and, it. And the, the the key that people don't get is that money goes to to their wildlife department to help stop poachers. Yep. yep. That food goes to the villages, and people pay a really good penny to go do that. Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred um, percent. It's just it's anti hunting morons. Yeah. 
Well, another controversial topic, real quick, but hunting related, that I wanted to bring up was, do you or do you not clear shooting lanes? And that seems to be kind of controversial, but I know with you, Dad, that you typically are on the side of, if you can see the deer, that's great, but if you can't shoot the deer, then why the heck are you in the woods? At the same point, public land... They don't really want you to be cutting anything down. They want to leave it as uh, you clean as possible. But you yeah. do pruning. You, yeah. know, you shouldn't be sawing down trees. Yeah, that'd be bad. I've never done that. <laughs> but you uh, you know, you have never. to be able to shoot the animal. I mean, what's the sense? Are you there to, to watch deer or are you there to shoot deer? Yep. Yeah, people I don't know. Never... I believe you, you clear lanes. Yeah, I remember you saying someone said, well, that's that's the deer's living room. And, yeah. and if you took that, if say you went in your yeah, living room and someone took your recliner out of your living room. If somebody moved your recliner to the other <laughs> side of the room, would you notice it? I said, yeah, my room is in 8,000 acres, you idiot. What's that got <laughs> yeah. to do with anything? Yeah, if there was 14,000 uh, recliners there and one's missing, no, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't notice. notice that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you have to, again, just my, especially bow hunting, you know, what, what good does it do? Yeah. Would you rather not clear a lane and, and tick a little twig and now you've got shot the animal and you never find right. it? Yep. You know, I, I'm notorious for clearing lanes and I don't care. I do yeah. it. I've killed a lot of deer with a bow. You know, some of my friends, well, my nephew, he wasn't real big into that. He, he didn't believe in that too much. And they'd come in the end of the day and I'm like, well, what'd you see? Can they shoot? And I saw four of them. I'm like, well, can they shoot? No, too thick. Okay. <laughs> okay. Next day, same thing. I said, do you ever think to kind of shoot them? Oh, I don't want to spook them. Whatever. Whatever, dude. Don't <laughs> yeah. spook them. I'll go over there and kill them because I cut shooting lanes. <laughs> yeah. I think I was just listening to John Eberhardt actually on a podcast, and that's what he was mentioning, how he clears shooting lanes. Oh, yeah. He said five, six yards wide. He said, and if I, you know, maybe he's hunting a certain spot like an apple tree, he'll just shoot the lane straight to the apple tree. He doesn't need 14 different lanes, 360, because that's where he's hunting. Yep. You know, like we have that tree stand up in the pine tree where you hunt in front of you. That's right. where the deer are. Because you have, you can't clear a lane. But right. I personally like to have three lanes, straight ahead, right, and left. Mm-hmm. Now, some of those might be natural lanes, you know, but if it's a thick area, I've never had a deer really go up, oh, that limb's missing, I'm out of here. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't happen. And you might find the perfect tree that you don't have to cut any, but it, exactly. it's rare. Especially exactly. if you find a tree that actually has yeah. cover, you're right. going to have to trim a couple things to get a shot. Late I mean, this season, it's especially when things die down. You yep. know, but, but you have to be able to shoot them. It just it doesn't make any sense not to. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's my opinion. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to time here. Russ, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Anything pertinent? I don't know. I don't remember exactly what we did talk about. I don't think so. I think the only thing we didn't touch was tree stand safety. Right. Yeah. Wear a safety harness and a belt. And if you don't, you're stupid. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that's short and sweet. Uh, I know a friend of mine fell out of a tree. Legs went numb. Terrified. He's back in the woods thinking he's paralyzed. He just bruised his butt. Feeling came back. You know. Feeling came back, you know, so eventually. So you wear one? No, 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 I don't wear one. Well, you're an idiot. That's just not smart. They've done studies that at some point, I think it's 70% of hunters will fall out of a tree at some point. Makes sense. You're spending all that time up there, just a small platform. You yeah. know, maybe not off or something. That happens a lot. I know. I've had a scare a couple of times, and I always wear a safety harness because, you know, it scares the hell out of me to fall off a tree. But I, there's just been times where you're not really paying attention. You see a deer come in, you stand up, and you're picking up your bow, and 
you don't know how close you are to the edge of that yep. platform. It might shift a little bit. You never yep. know. Yep. Again, if you don't, there's something wrong. You know, some people. I told my kids when I took them out, if I ever come into your stand and you don't have a harness and belt on, you don't hunt no more of them. You'll hunt on the ground. Yep. It's just, it's it's a hobby. It's fun. It's not something you, you should risk your life over because you're afraid your arm might get caught on a strap. Yep. Who cares? Yeah. Hanging a little higher. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the deer ain't everything. Safety nope. comes first. Yeah. 100%. Yep. yep. Be safe out there, people. That's what it's all about. Yep. Well, well, Charles, you got anything left, buddy? Um, no, I mean, it was a good episode. I think, uh, I don't know, we wanted to touch base and see if you had maybe a favorite hunting story you'd like to tell. Uh, I know we talked about a lot of good stories already, but do you have any really good hunting stories that you wanted to tell? Mm. There's a lot of them. I, I mean, know. I have a billion of them. I'd say probably one of the best was when your brother Russ, and because he's the oldest, so he's the one that we did a lot of firsts with, you know. Right. Not so much that your stories are any worse. Again, I got a billion on but When I first started bow hunting with him, I know we went down Beaver, and that's when we were, you know, we were kind of new into it. We found some real nice big rubs in this area, and I let him hunt there. First time, I think we, one of the first times we ever used a ladder stand, we had a little 12 foot ladder stand from Walmart. I think he was 14, maybe 15, probably 14. And uh, I went up over the hill and I hunted the cornfield. I cut down a bunch of rows of corn sat on a bucket because I was afraid of heights back then. Anyway, I'm sitting there and I hear this whistle and I'm like, what the heck? Whistle closer and I'm like, what is going on? Well, here he comes, he sees me. I'm like, what are you doing? It's white out. He said, I think I hit one. Oh, okay. Well, let's go look. It's a big buck, that big buck. Okay. So we go down there and uh, we find some blood and we track it. And sure enough, there was back then a giant buck to us. You know, again, a buck today we wouldn't even shoot. We called him Mr. Big because he was rubbing trees as big as your thigh. He was a big body, probably 160-pound field-dressed deer with a, a nice A-point, nothing special. To, to, to see your son harvest an animal like that with a bow, I hadn't even killed a buck with a bow yet. You know, that, that was special. Whether that's the favorite hunting story, again, I got a billion of them, but that's one that comes to mind. And mostly just because it was a first, you know. Right. And your first kid's always, you know, the one that you remember more. Yeah. Well, remember more, you know. That's I love awesome. you all. That's just a, that's a story that sticks out. It was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it's a good one, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's others, but that's what comes to mind. I can take it. <coughs> well, Chuck, you got anything? I'm good. Let's wrap like it, it up. Sounds good, man. Thanks well, again, Dad. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, spending your entire evening here instead of on the couch watching your shows. Yeah, that's, I know uh, it's late. I appreciate you coming <laughs> out, man. I'm old. I'm, I'm set in my ways. About 9 o'clock, I want to be sitting on my chair with a beagle or two on my lap and but it was fun. I had a lot of fun. I was. I really didn't want to come. I'm not gonna lie to you. But That's I right. promised my son I would. But uh, it was fun. And if you know me, and people who do know me, knows I never shut up anyway. So That's okay. I was stoked That's when he said you wanted to come on. And, you know, I I've listened to you tell stories many times. That's kind of what I was saying when 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 he said you were gonna come on. He's like, do you have any questions for him? I was like, I'm just gonna let him go. Yeah. You know, I just like sitting here and listening. Uh, he's 60 years on the earth. You know, he gets some stories. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, man. Nothing wrong with that. No. Well, a huge shout-out to our sponsor, Williams Archery. We really appreciate them. And if you're going to get your bow tuned, head on down there. Get your get your bow all set up for the season. Make sure you guys are practicing. Practice makes perfect. Get up in a stand if you have one in your yard. If you can afford to get one ready to go, make sure you practice out of a stand so you're not messing anything up. Well, I was down there. Yeah, I was down there today with Ron, uh, Joey, and Gary. 
and they make quite a, a nice little group. Uh, you know, they took real nice good guys. care of us. Real nice guys down there. Yeah, phenomenal atmosphere. I mean, you're going down there, and it's it's all about the experience. So, I bought my yeah. first real bow off a of run in 1997. There we go. Yeah, yeah. real bow, new That's one, awesome. brand new one. Yeah, those guys are great. Head on down there. I mean, they anything guys. you need, they're, they're always there to help. Absolutely, they really are. And they got it's a loose environment. Uh, you know, Joey will bust your balls all day long. You know, but it's it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So it's good. Make sure you guys check us out on Instagram and Facebook at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. You can also send us an email at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you have anything that you want to hear about, whether you have pros or cons about the podcast. I know this podcast is a little bit of background noise. We had a crazy rainstorm blow in, so it's a little bit loud, but... um, yeah, if you have any topics that you would like us to cover, even if you want to come on and talk or you have a suggestion for somebody that you know that kills deer on a consistent basis, we'd love to hear from them. So. Yeah, if you like listening to us, tell your friends. Uh, you know, Let them know that you're listening to our podcast. Uh, you might have to tell them what a podcast is. That's what I'm running into a lot. But I'll be honest, uh, You know, we have a lot of fun here. Every week we get a lot of great people on, and you know, it's about this local hunting area and you know local stories and what people got so yep yep absolutely make sure you head over to itunes also give us a five-star review we'd really appreciate it i'd like to say thank you for everybody that listens i mean you don't have to but we we appreciate it so we do do. make sure you guys get out there and uh shoot your bow it's important yep thanks guys thanks guys gotta walk the dogs school drop off meetings from 10 to 3 take kids to soccer practice then there goes the extra time for a jog That's okay. Maybe next week. When everyone else relies on you, it's easy to put your needs last. Therapy is a dedicated time to focus on what you need to be happy. So you can show up for yourself the way you do for others. BetterHelp offers convenient online therapy on your schedule. It's the same professional service you'd get from an in-person therapist, but with the option to communicate when and how you want. By chat, phone, or video call. Go to their site and fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com.